tonight. Um, we had the message titled Entry Protocols. And um, after that, um, it was Breakthrough Festival. And after the Breakthrough Festival, we had Understanding the Mystery of Exemption. Then the Perfect Laws of Breakthrough, Accessing Your Inheritance, right? Um, developing Strength, Activating Success Codes. These are the series we've run this year. Enforcing the Victory of Redemption, that was in April. Quantum Leap, right? That's our career and um, business advancement month, right? So um, we had some people coming to the house facilitators. Um, then Money Masterclass, um, that was in the month of June, where we focus on finances, right? Codred Revival is how we begin the second half of the year, right? That was July. And um, after Codred Revival, we had a two-month series that's maintaining spiritual fervency. I think that was 11 parts. 11 part teaching series and after that in september we had making love last forever and after that in the month of october we started the seven prophetic turnaround sundays which ended last week sunday so i think i want to start by asking the question so can anyone remind me all the seven messages in the seven prophetic turnaround sundays anybody you may just get a gift anybody without going through your notes <laughs> Even if you can't do the seven, even if it's five, who can do that? Even if it's not chronological. Anybody? So go through your notes. <laughs> <laughs> go through your notes. The last seven weeks, that was October. The first Sunday in October to the second Sunday in November. November. All right, so the first Sunday was what? Break. First Sunday was what? Turning hopeless situations around. Second Sunday was overcoming stagnation. Third week was what? Breaking invisible barriers. The fourth Sunday was what? How to succeed early in life. The fifth week was covenant keys to marital breakthrough. The sixth week was huh? ending all hardship. And the seventh week, everybody should remember that. That was last Sunday. Destiny accelerators, awesome students. <laughs> Let's celebrate ourselves. Okay, so um, we're gonna start. So all we're doing this morning, I'm not preaching. First lady and I are just going to answer questions. If you don't ask a question, I will ask you questions. Uh, so <laughs> everybody's is a town hall meeting. Some people are writing their questions already. Okay, uh, what happened to our QR code? It's coming up. Okay, uh, so who is the first who is asking first this morning? Who is the most confident person in the room who wants to use a mic? Let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them. All right, just come forward. We have an hour to do this and seven minutes left. All right, so please come forward. Come to the, into the camera frame. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for impacting in us this far. Okay, so my question is, um, it's more like a feeling, like I'm confused about the contradictions in the bible um proverbs chapter 12 verse 22 says lying lips are an abomination to god but we see several characters in the bible that lied and there was no punishment or repercussion whatsoever and then considering For example the abraham and also considering the character of esau and jacob jacob and his mother lied to be esau and then we see it as it's as if um their actions were justified instead of it to be reprimanded. So I don't know, it makes me feel somehow some type of way to say, okay, is it actually true that there's white lie? And 
black lie and then um his favorite <laughs> and then his favoritism a thing in the bible are there special people that whatever they do no matter what they do they will still find their way to gain favor in the sight of god fantastic awesome question do you want to answer that <laughs> okay well um i want us to understand you know up front that there are no contradictions in the bible Right, so that's why we need to understand the total counsel of God, right? Understanding the whole testament as a shadow, right, of things to come. And the New Testament is Jesus coming to, you know, fulfill the covenant. So there were certain things that God allowed in the Old Testament because the people didn't have light. I hope you know that the Bible we have today, they didn't have the Bible in the Old Covenant. I believe you know that in the Old Testament that there was no Bible. Uh, it was in the New Testament they started reading and they will mention things that prophet Isaiah said you know that Ezekiel said you see so about saying that there was no consequence well for some of the things that they did there were consequences and we must never forget that it's not everything that happened that was documented in scriptures you know the Bible says concerning the life of Jesus that if every miracle he did right and his life were to be documented in a book he said the whole world will not be enough to contain it right so everything was not documented however we need to understand that there were times that people lied in scriptures right and they paid for it you see so you look at someone like abraham right can say that abraham lied you see the lying in that sense of abraham there was a price for it so um I, I, if i can remember correctly you know the lie that abraham you know mentioned was when he said that um, Sarah was his sister. It was a lie at the same time it was, it was not a lie. Because during their own times, the human population was not that much. People were allowed to marry their relatives. So if you remember, they were related. Even Isaac was related to his wife. Because when Abraham was going to get a wife for his son, he said, go into our family. So they were like cousins. Just like the same way, you know, you can call your cousin your sister. Right? Someone you are related with. So, it wasn't a lie in a sense. However, the fact that that relationship was already defined between a husband and a wife, right, made it a lie. And Abraham lied because he himself said to Sarah that the place where we are going to, they are ungodly people. So, Abraham lied not willfully, but out of fear. He said, because if I tell those people that you are my wife, he said, they will kill me. You see? And he didn't want to lose his life. So, many of those people were just growing in their relationship with God. So, they didn't have the understanding. For instance, today we have the Bible, like I mentioned earlier, to refer to. Um, We have an understanding of certain things that were wrong and certain things that were right. And you also need to understand that before then, there was no law. And without the law, there can be no offense. Never forget that the law did not start until Moses. When God gave them the Ten Commandments. So, Abraham had no Ten Commandments. He had no law to refer to, right? So, oftentimes, God dealt with them based on the limitation of their knowledge. But for you and I today, there are certain things that we know up front. Even from a child, you already know certain things are wrong and certain things are, are right. So, they were, in a sense, trying to stumble, you know, trying to understand this God. Understand that Abraham came from, you know, an idolatry background. You know, theologians tells us and history tells us. That's why God called him out of his father's house. 
right? It came out of a background, you know, that was given to idol worship. You see, so many of these people, they were just getting to understand the ways of God and all those things. So, for instance, someone can also say that, you know, why did, um, um, what's her name now? Sarah have to tell the husband, you see, to sleep with their servant and have a child through that. So there was so much limitation, right? So because the Bible has to be read contextually. Because many of those illustrations of somebody lied, somebody did that. Understand that in the New Testament, when people lied, God killed them immediately. Ananiah, is it Ananiah and Sapphira now? Or what's their name? When they lied to Peter, they, everybody was making a sacrifice in church. Maybe they had breakthrough festival. <laughs> Just on the humorous note. And everybody had to make a sacrifice, you see. And they've had what some people did. So they also wanted to impress that's why you must never do anything out of trying to impress anybody in the house of God. It's between you and God, right? So, maybe they were trying to impress. And Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knew that these guys are lying. And he said, is this everything you sold? Is this the amount? They said, yes. So, why have you decided to lie against the Holy Ghost? And the Bible says he dropped dead immediately. Now, people may not be dropping dead today immediately. Where you do certain things. But let me tell you this. The principles and the laws of God cannot be broken. Especially when you have come to the place of understanding and awareness. The Bible says the time of ignorance. God has winged that. You see. So that's the time of ignorance. You are no longer in the time of ignorance. So there are certain things that you know that is right and wrong. When the wife also came in. Peter thought she was going to be a different person. He said, is this the amount you guys sold this thing? She said, yes. Ah, ah. What have you guys So It means it was a plan. What have you both decided to lie? He said, well, the feet of those who buried your husband that's just at the door, they are going to bury you too. So, to say there is no judgment for it will be a misconception. Right? Understand that in the Old Testament, especially when Abraham lied, when Isaac lied, they didn't have the law. There was no commandment. Right? So, everyone was relating with God on an interpersonal level. They were just trying to get an understanding of who this God was. Right? Because after man fell, Right, men were just getting to the point where they were trying to understand God. I think it was Enosh. The Bible says, and in the days of Enosh, men began to call upon the name of God. It simply means there was a time in human history that nobody even knew about the existence of God. Right? So, I hope I've answered your question. Yeah. Do you want to add something to that? Okay, I just want to talk about what we just finished talking about. I always tell people that um, in what context are you reading the Bible? Is it to favor you or to guard you? Because a lot of times now, people do things that are not, you know, um, biblically right, and they have backings for it because just because everybody is doing it. So, my own principle as regards that is that God cannot be mocked. If God says that God cannot be mocked, that whatsoever a man sow it, he will reap. That's just my own principle, you know. And the Bible also says that do to others what you want them to do to you. So, I always tell people that if you do something, God is a rewarder of who? those that diligently seek him so if you are diligently reading the bible to have like to light your path you know there are some things that it might not be in that context especially in the old testament you know people have backings they will tell you oh so so person did this and they are fathers of faith and they are this and they are that in your own context and we also have the opportunity like pastor said there are some opportunities they didn't have in the old testament we have the opportunity of fellowshipping with the holy spirit so sometimes the holy spirit it's just to convince us again with the word of God. So sometimes we know these things, but because we see that as it is written, 
And that's what we want to, you know, live our life on. So I just want us to, like, be, let me use this word, be guided by the word of God. That whatever it is you do, people know. It's just like saying that, okay, let me use a, a general example. You know that in Alausa, if you break the law, they won't come after you now. You know, before, last man will stop you. Yeah, you begin to have drama, please, this one. No, they will not come after you. As many times as you uh, break the tra- uh, um, traffic rule, they won't come after you. It is when you want to renew your papers. In fact, somebody was just telling me recently some laws that have been put in place that some of those police you see around, they have all those data on their phone. So they can easily trace your number. How much more God that created us? So there are certain things that you can do and you feel that my conscience is not, you know, I'm not, you know, under any law. I'm not under this, but God is watching. So whatever it is we do or whatever it is that uh, um, we feel that, oh, I'm justified based on this. Sometimes you need to look within, you know, that's that. Then concerning favor, <laughs> like Pastor will always say that if you declare it, you will receive it. And I think that um, when you read the Bible, the Bible says, I will have mercy on you. I will have mercy. If God has mercy on you, obviously favor will follow. But I, f- I, I feel that it is the things you do, as in, as in the way you uh, take God's word. Because we are all children of God, aren't we? Aha, we are all children of God. I, I, I could see when uh, Minister Zike was saying that we should declare the word. It's just like saying that you know your right. Some people know their rights even much more than you do. We're discussing the office yesterday. <laughs> you know, my pastor was talking about, it wasn't pastor, Minister Zike was talking about someone that when you say some things around them, immediately, when you say something negative, immediately they correct you with something positive because they know who they are. Some of us, that's why I always tell people that when we are taking the closing church, if we know what our inheritance is in Christ Jesus, sometimes even when you don't have money, as in you don't have, you don't have um, cash, you know that you have money because you know some things that, you know I can say this thing and I can, because you know your inheritance. So if you know that favor is part of your inheritance as a child of God, as a born again Christian, as a lover of God, you know, you claim it anywhere. So somebody won't come and be bragging to you because you know that, oh, we have the same rights. And we might, we might not even have uh, equal rights if you know how to claim yours very well. You know, so if you know yourself, the Bible says, they that know their God shall what? And do what? Exploit. So if you don't know, you'll just be looking like, ah, these ones are the only ones that are favored. These ones are the only ones that God loves. God loves everybody. Praise God. One. Okay, same, sorry, just hold on a minute. Maybe we'll take one in person, then one online. So most often you and First Lady talk about mentors giving consent on choice of spouse. What if my parents or family members don't consent? What do I do? Why didn't they consent? Well, what if my parents or family members, when you say family members, who are you talking about? Because in the Bible, there's no such thing as family consent, but there is parental consent. There's no such thing as uncle consent or siblings consent. There's only parental consent, right? So if you're talking about parents, you said parents or family members. I need to know who the family members are because that's not clear enough. So you may want to send in, you know, a detailed explanation of that. Right, so when it comes to mentors, you know, giving consent, I want you to understand that you cannot say someone is your mentor under three months and you expect them 
to influence your marital choice. Before someone can give a consent about your marital choice, it must have been someone that's been involved in your life for a while. So they already know you. They know what can work for you and what cannot work for you. Someone can start mentoring you in two days' time. And you now say, I want to marry this person. What do you think, sir? Oh, go ahead. Go and pray. Because at that point, they really do not know you. So there are certain, you know, counsel they can give to you, you know, that are just basic from scriptures. But if it's someone that has mentored you for a while, they know your weakness, they know your strength, they know the kind of person, you see, that you can literally get married to. Because I love to say this, that it's not every Christian that you can marry. Very true. So the fact that you are even in the same church with someone, you see, there are other things that you look at. You see, do you have the same values? Are you going to the same place? Do you share the same vision? Is there an alignment? Is there a meeting point, right? When it comes to your vision, you know, um, your plan for your, the, the plan you have for your life. So all those things go a very long way. You see, so I think um, that question is not detailed enough. You see, so what if my parents or family members don't consent? We need to know why they do not consent. What do you do? You need parental consent. As a rule in the Gateway Church, if your parents don't agree, we will not join you. Even if you've gone through our counseling. Because I'm not the one that gave birth to you. So I can't take the place of your parents. Except if it's for an unreasonable reason. Do you understand? Some people may give very far that, you know, I just don't. You know, I guess you're so light skinned. In our family, we don't marry light skinned people. That's an unreasonable reason. Do you understand? But in a reason where your parents are saying something and you are not saying it will not join you. Because some people try to do that. They run away from family and they want to run to church. Yes. This pastor will not join you. Never. Maybe the ministers can join you. But they cannot even do that. <laughs> uh, because there are people under authority. It will never happen. It will never happen. Good morning, sir. Good, Good morning, first lady. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so, um, during one of my... Um, Devotions. I was um, reading Second Samuel 24, and I think you've okay, sorry, you've mentioned something around. So when there. they mention the scriptures, media kindly help us project it on the screen so everybody can be on the same page. Second Samuel 24. All right. Okay, you've mentioned something around that before, where um, David conducted his censors, and then God. Um, brought a plague into the land. That's by his own. He chose the the plague. So when I got there and I was reading, I, I now noticed that the the first um, what verse, verse, the first verse. Um, I was I think I was reading NLT. Sorry, let me switch to NLT. So it says once again the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and it caused. David to harm them by taking a census. And I was like, so the the roots of the the eventual plague was because God was angry and he now used David to so I was I was I was confused that okay, um he he probably didn't want to wipe them um out, but he, he probably just wanted to see how David would Handle and eventually David um, came back to his consciousness that oh I've done evil in the sight of the Lord. So I just wanted a bit um, light here shed on. I mean, why would God use His own servants to 
uh, afflict his people. Praise God. Thank you. All right. Very powerful question. Can we celebrate him? All right. So if you've been doing your devotional and if you've been reading the Bible plan for the year, you should have questions. Right. Um, firstly, um, when we're reading our Bible, always interpret the Bible from the nature and character of God. First things first. Okay. I think another scripture... Um, I'd like to bring to attention was when the Bible says an evil spirit from God, right, would always, you know, come on Saul. And when David will play the app, the evil spirits will leave him. Firstly, I want us to understand that you can only give what you have. And God is not evil. The Bible says, makes us understand that he's a good God. He says in him, he says there is no variableness, right, or shadow of turning. So sometimes when you see certain things in scriptures, when it looks confusing, Understand that human beings translated the scriptures. And sometimes there is error in some of those translations. There are some of those things that have correct. For instance, you see some parts of the Bible where the Holy Spirit was referred to as an it. The Spirit knows that it's not an it. It's a person. That's why till date some people still believe the Holy Ghost is an Holy do- um, is, is a dove. So when they see a white dove, say that must be the Holy Ghost. Some people believe the Holy Ghost is fire. Those are representations. That is not the Holy Ghost. So when the please let's have that scripture back. So when the Bible says that, you know, God was angry and He moved David, you know, to sin against the people. Please understand that God is not an emotionally balanced being, uh, imbalanced being, because this sounds like someone that is emotionally unbalanced. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the Old Testament, they didn't have light. So, once something happens, they believed everything was God. They understood the place of... That's why you notice that in the Bible, you really had about the devil. In the Old Testament. There were very few times the devil was mentioned. That was if he was ever mentioned. Apart from the fact that oh, he went to a meeting, God was having a meeting in the book of Job, and the devil showed up. You rarely see anything mentioned about the devil. So, once anything happened in the Bible, people believed that it was God. That's why when Job lost everything... He himself said, can we receive good from God and not receive evil from him? But you and I know it was not God as it were that made that to happen. Job 3.25, he said, the things that I greatly fear has come upon me. So when you understand that character and the nature of God, that God is love, you will realize that this is an incomplete translation, right, from the people that translated it. That God cannot be angry with you and will now move you to do something that he already told you not to do. It sounds confusing. And it sounds like someone that is emotionally imbalanced. Right? And that's not God. So this negates the nature and the character of God. So if you are to understand this from the nature and character of scriptures, you will understand that it is the devil that does things like this. That most people to do things that are against the laws of God. God will never tell you to do something right against his law. Neither will he move you to do something against what he has already said. So that is very important, you know, that's why it's very important for us to understand the nature and the character of God and always interpret the scriptures from it. I don't know if that makes sense. Alright, so another one from here says, what is the biblical view on reincarnation? We see the evidence of reincarnation in our society. I mean, I've not seen anyone in our society. So maybe if you can... Edit your question you and give example. John the Baptist, ETC, we are mistaken for reincarnations of prophets. I love the fact that he says we are mistaken. Because the Bible did not say that Elijah returned. He says John the Baptist came in the spirit. 
in the spirit is different from Elijah came back. In the spirit simply means the person, you see, because anything God sends to the earth, it doesn't take back. So for instance, you look at someone like Elisha, right? Elisha literally embodied the anointing and the spirit of Elijah. But Elisha never transferred that spirit to anyone. That grace, that anointing. So one thing about spiritual mantles is that the carriers always have a character like the original person that had it. If you are a student of church history, when you see someone like Benny Hinn, you see Katrin Kuhlman in him. Does that mean Katrin Kuhlman came back? She's even a woman. Benny Hinn is a man. But he operates in the nature, right, and in the character of Katrin Kuhlman. The first person for us to know in recent years, recent human history, to operate in the healing anointing in the way in which he operated. That does not mean reincarnation took place. The Bible never tells us about reincarnation. It says after death is judgment. Always remember the laws of God. No matter what you see, demons can present themselves like some. That's why if a member of your family dies and you say you saw them, they came to give you a message. It's the devil that is speaking to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. Your mother has not come back. There's <laughs> nothing like Yabo. Your name may be Yabo, but in the context of the Yoruba tradition, when they say somebody is Yabo or they say Baba Tunde, the Baba has not come back. He's another human being that came back or that came to the earth. Do you understand? So no Baba has come anywhere. Baba has gone to where it's going to be, either heaven or hell. So you are not the person that came back. We look at it, ah! You look so much like your grandfather. And sometimes if people are not careful, right, they can project the destiny of that person that is dead mm. on the new child. Yes. That's what we need to understand, especially for those of us having more lights now. Don't name a child based on emotions. When you study the scriptures, people name, God instructed people to name children based on destiny. When they wanted to name John the Baptist, they wanted to give him the name of his father. At that time, God opened the mouth of Zechariah and said, no, that is not his name. His name is John. When Jesus was going to come, God said, he shall be called this. You see, when Samson was going to be born, God told his parents, this is the name because this is his assignment. Right? So he doesn't ask, oh, for John, oh, for God, job about. Oh, yeah. That is how our grandmother used to behave. He had the number. All right. That's very true because I remember um, my last retreat with my spiritual mom, and we were just having like a We always have a family time, so we're having a family time, and we were talking about how we got to know our spiritual mom. And she remembered someone that the first time she saw her. Okay, so that person thought that, oh, she doesn't like me. But the first time she saw her, she mentioned her name. I can't remember. It's one of these names. So maybe Yabo or something, something. And she told her that you have to change your name. And that person was like, and until she changed her name, there were certain things that didn't happen in her life. Because she felt that she was living the life of the person, the so-called person they said she looked like. She looks like. So, like I always say that, let your um, decision, your um, actions be word-based. It is not written, it is not written. It is not written in the Bible concerning you that it's not written. So let's, let's be conscious of that. And like Pastor Riley said, I mean, we are, we are in the new and we should be conscious of certain things, especially name. 
the name you bear goes a long way. Even if you look like someone, you look like your great grandma that you didn't get to meet, you look like your grandma, you can't be living that person's life. And, and these things are spirits. Some people, they, they've named you that person. They've called the spirit of that person upon you. And you don't know what and what the person did. And like she said, she said she had some struggles. You know, when she was talking, I was just looking at her like, are you serious? She was like, she had, in fact, growing up, she mentioned the things that she had gone through and as a Christian. But because it's the name she was called that she was asking to. So she said she changed everything. It, didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't nice, but it didn't, you know, uh, it wasn't easy for her. But it didn't occur to her until she was married, you know, that she realized that she should change her name. And that night, for me, I was like, how are we talking about name? And then, and then she, uh, my sister mom was saying that. Because a lot of us, don't, we, we answer to what God has not called us to be. You ask her to some name, and for some of us, it's nickname. They'll just use some this thing, they call you nickname. When they call you a Jew, and you'll be answering a Jew, because you've been asking a Jew from this one. They called you tortoise. <laughs> they call you different names, and then you answer to it, and then you are now disturbing God, you know. So those things are very, very um, powerful, and you should, should take note. Life itself is spiritual, and so we should always look at it from the spiritual angle. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, um, good morning, Pastor. Good morning, First Lady. Good morning, Church. So my question is about um, mentorship. Okay, so Pastor usually said we, are, um, we need a mentor in every area of our life. And some people are actually lucky to have just one person that can mentor you in all areas of your life. But if you actually look up to someone, like in the same line of business, but this person does not belong to the same religion with you like I'm a Christian and this person is doing well and the person is a Muslim so is it actually right to have such a person as a mentor that's the question okay so I'm trying to look if I have, I don't have any unbeliever as a mentor and I think is because of the assignment God has placed in my hand. Because I look at it sometimes, I'm like, ah, I'm so lucky, you know. Um, in terms of business now, sometimes some unbelievers do business perfect, more structured than believers. And I'll say that without my sin words, because I've worked with a whole lot of people. Sometimes some Christians are very terrible when it comes to business, you know, so... In terms of business, and if you feel that if you feel comfortable with the person, is is business, you know, and if you feel that that's the person that knows, because there are some some areas that, if you truly want to go into it, you have to learn from unbelievers. E.g., transportation. Yes, so it's because we, Christians were not waking up to our tax. And some unbelievers have taken over those industries that it will take the grace of God for us to go there and do great exploits. One of the reasons why I went to Yoruba Moving Production, because I realized that everywhere you turn to, they are all Muslims. And they are not, they are not, um, they are not um, um, shy about it. They are proud about it. And then they will tell you. And I was like, ah, no, I have to make a name here. I have to let them know some things here. And I did. So if you feel that, oh, this person is doing it right. Why not? The only thing is that you should also be guided by the word of God. Because sometimes, of course, your um, values will be contradicting at some point. 
you know my the first person that ever mentored me in movie industry wasn't born again wasn't it was even confused he would say he's a christian he's a muslim he's this one he would say he's a traditionalist so he's doing the three together he would say he's met a local mm -hmm. but i learned what i needed to learn from from him even if i now he can he can't even say he's a, like a mentor to me you know that sometimes you get to a level where you think that ah, you know so i wish to say that ah, it's my was my boss and everybody would say hey are you serious so uh, make yourself that kind of person that you know in future, the person will be able to proud to say, ah, that lady learned from me, you know, without any um, fight or anything, you know. So you can learn from a non-believer when it comes to business. It is family life, spiritual life that if you want to be mentored in um, family life, spiritual life, if you go to a non-believer, you're just joking, you know. <laughs> so for me, it's okay. Is it financially wise to do our job? <laughs> yes. Especially when you are not disciplined by yourself, you know, to save. It, no, no, okay, so. Somebody's question is no. somebody's question. Is it your question? Why are you guys laughing? The person wants clarity. Wait. <laughs> if you have ever joined a job and they have taken your handicap. <laughs> Oh, it has happened to some people. Ah! And so when you want to do a job, do you with trusted people? Now? So if they started being, tr being a trusted um, person, you know that I have a protege that okay. she hates the sound of a job. For those <laughs> who don't understand a job, what's the English of a job? Thrift. Thrift. Okay. Yes. So, huh? so contribution. Thrift contribution. Okay. So some people, because of their experience, they can never allow their unborn generation to do <laughs> So, well, I feel that Ajor is, um, is okay because it, help, it helps you. If you're a business person, you must do Ajor. And there are other ways of doing Ajor. It must not necessarily be that, okay, you have 10 people. You know some people, they are always number one. <laughs> then, by the time it's your own turn, they will forget that, ah, hey, you are the next. That's why I said that. <laughs> when it comes to Ajor, you see the character of people. So, but, but if you want to do a job, I mean, um, what's this up now? Piggy vest. You have piggy vest. So you can, you can do with piggy vest. Uh, you can do with carry wise or so. So those are, you can even do with your, with your bank, depending on the bank you're using. You know, excuse you. <laughs> that is end time bank. <laughs> so if you have, if you have um, trusted um, bank officers or account officers, you can talk to them and then they'll tell you. There are some account um, officers that every week, if you want to be doing every day, you want to open a separate account that you can, and you won't take the money in a year. They will open it for you. I know GT does, does that. I don't know about Zenit. Zenit can be very proud, you know. So, but I think GT, they do that. Sorry, Zenit. I use Zenit. So, <laughs> but I think GT, they, I think GT does that. I don't know about Zenit, but I think, I think GT can. If you walk up to them and tell them, that you want to open another account where every day they will be deducting a particular amount of money or every month they will be deducting a particular amount of money. But I think when it comes to Ajo, Ajo makes you disciplined in terms of savings and in terms of achievement. And like Pastor will say, don't do Ajo because you want to buy Weaver. 
Don't do a job because they want to go for Christmas and uh, this in the village. Neat December. Because you want to do neat December. <laughs> do a job because you, you have a project you want to do, something commendable you want to do for you yourself. You want to take advantage of an opportunity. Yes, so yeah. a job is, is okay. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. <laughs> Please, um, pardon my voice. I'm kind of shy. This... <laughs> so, Just look at me. Look at me. <laughs> okay. So, um, Daddy, I have. I actually have two questions. Okay. Okay. The first one is: um, Is it okay for a woman to mentor a man? Okay. For like, is it okay for a man, for a, for a man to have a female mentor? Okay. And the second one is, I, I actually have um, this thought in my mind for quite for quite some time now about. I feel like the world in general. I don't know. I might be wrong though, but I just felt I just felt like maybe it's not everybody that knows about um, Christ. So, and I came across a Bible verse that even got me more confused, which is um, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for, uh, for lack of knowledge. So my, my question is, how about those people, like I said, I might be wrong, I don't know if I'm right. How about those people that has never heard of about Jesus Christ? Do we categorize them among these people? Or better still, if um, God made us to understand that his people perish for... How about those other people that have never heard about Jesus Christ? Fantastic. Awesome question. Let's celebrate him. All right, so the first question, can a woman mentor a man? Yes. Yeah, we have mentors. I have mentors that are women. However, uh, however, strong. However, uh, you can't uh, you can't say you are age mate with someone, a woman, or she's younger than you. And she's mentoring you. I found bully boy. There's something else will come out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, so the people, if a woman is going to mentor you, it has to be someone that is far above you. That nonsense cannot even cross your mind. There's even there's no way, even if it tries, like it just can never occur to you. It can never be someone that you see and say, ah, ah, baby, they're fine. That thought can never cross your mind, right? So if it's with someone that that thought can cross your mind, that person cannot mentor you. Mm. But then I also like to have that if it is the other way around, if the mentor likes you and wants to be mentored, things are happening. No, forget. <laughs> Things are happening. So if um, the mentor likes the mentee and then wants to help the mentee to get to a higher level by higher commitment, so you, you have to look at it, you know, from that perspective also because things are happening, you know. So don't just be sentimental about it that, oh, because she's a woman or because she's a mother. There are so many mothers that are murdering boys now that you just be wondering what is this boy doing with this woman 
yeah. and they call it all the name of mentoring. So you have to be guided. Let me just leave it that way. All right. Yeah. So the second question, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So here God was talking about his own people being destroyed by lack of knowledge. Anyway, everyone that has no knowledge will be destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So one of the reasons why Jesus has not yet returned is because everybody has not had the opportunity of hearing about Jesus. However, there are certain things that if you don't know, you will pay for it. Apart from your knowledge of God. Because here, the scripture is not just, you know, you can interpret the scripture from knowing God, right? And also having basic knowledge. For instance, if you don't know a car can kill, and you walk into the midst of the express, and a car knocks you down, did you know that a car can kill? No. Did the car kill you? Yes. So, if you don't know poison can kill you, and you see poison and you drink it, can you die? Yes. Did you know you can die? No. So ignorance, everybody pays for their level of ignorance. That's why I strongly believe that a believer must be passionate about knowledge. Isaiah, it's not only Hosea 4 and verse 6 that says it. Isaiah 5, 13 says the same thing. He said, my people have gone into captivity because they lack knowledge. A believer should not be ignorant. Right? So if you're ignorant, you will pay for it, especially in the area of your ignorance. If you are ignorant about your business, that business will not grow as it's supposed to grow. If you are ignorant about your field, your industry, you will not rise in that industry as you are supposed to. Right? But when it comes to the ignorance of God, I strongly believe it is the responsibility of all believers. Right? To ensure that through us, the gospel spreads all over the nations of the earth. Every other religion understands that. And I strongly believe it's something that is missing today in this generation of Christianity. The average person comes to church because they want to receive from God. Not understanding that as a believer, you also have responsibilities towards God. So I strongly believe, not I strongly believe, the Bible actually tells us that one of the responsibilities of a believer, right, is to ensure that the gospel spreads with our finances, with our words. There are places you may not be able to get to, but there are people that can get there. The money they need to go there, it will not fall from heaven. It will come from us. That's why you notice that the average Islamist or Muslim, when they get to a level financially, they know they are supposed to build the mocks. You don't need to tell them, they know. The average Christian, when they get to a level, they start calculating tithes. How will God collect 10% or 100 million? In what context? If you understand the people that have not... You know, there are tribes still being discovered that people don't know exist. And yet, they need to hear the gospel. You see, so we all need to understand that hearing the gospel, the propagation of the gospel, is the responsibility of every believer at your level. You don't say, oh, I'll start doing that when I'm rich. Or when I get to a level. Whatever you don't do now, you won't do it when you get to the top. Yes. All right. Okay. So, um, is there a situation where some people are more graced than others? Yes. Because there is a price for grace. People don't just, you know, enjoy certain graces. There is a sacrifice. If you see somebody walking in a dimension of grace, there is a sacrifice they made to walk in that dimension of grace. So, can some people be graced than other people? Yes. Because everybody's sacrifice is not on the same level. Yeah. Um... What does the gateway logo mean? 
or imply. So I assume the person is not uh, in the workforce. So let's have the gateway logo on the screen. So I want to believe there's no worker that we ask that question. So let's have it on the screen so I'll explain it. I think someone else should explain it. I've explained it before, so I want to know if... So GMT students, yes, we just learned it. So let's get one of the students. Sister Precious Ishola. Huh? So today is the day. I read it. It's a town hall meeting, so don't feel bad. Anybody can be called. Let's celebrate our place. Keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. (laughs) Because I think it was yesterday I mentioned it that about people asking, why is there no fire in our logo? No Bible, no bell. Is no dove. So why is the gateway logo like that? What does it mean? Hi, <laughs> good. Is it morning or afternoon? It's still morning. Good morning, no. sir. Good morning, ma. Good morning, church. Okay, so by my understanding, so the circle means the world. So the black thing we're seeing inside the circle means that the darkness of the world. Like this Bible verse that says, uh, dark, uh, darkness shall cover the earth and grow darkness the people. You know, but my, okay, so gross Isaiah darkness. chapter 60 and verse 1, 2, 3. So, yeah, so the black in the circle is like gross darkness in the world. Then the, like that, the way, uh, pathways, like, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, being drawn in white. <laughs> so the pathway describes our core value in the Gateway Church. Emphasis, yes, thank you, sir. So, emphasis. So, spiritual growth. Um, spiritual growth, please. I'm so sorry. Family life, Family re-engineering. life re-engineering. Marketplace relevance. Uh, economic. Free, uh, please, I'm just so nervous. Help her if you know it. So, I say it. Let's say it out loud. Spirit, uh, let's start from the beginning. Spiritual, spiritual growth, growth and maturity. And maturity Family life re-engineering. Number three. Marketplace, Marketplace relevance. relevance, number four. Economic, Economic freedom and dominance, number five. Leadership, uh, Leadership what? Mental. And governance. Eh? Leadership what? No. Uh, is it not economic governance? Who knows it? Leadership what, Mr. Susan? And governance. Uh-huh. Leadership development, development and governance. Because I was hearing different things. No. Uh, we got it. Ah, okay, so please continue. Okay, so so those are the pathways, and you know they are in light. So we are the light of the world. So those things midst. are pointing in five different directions, yes, representing the five emphases of the gateway message. Okay. Yes, sir. In the middle of the world. So why is it white? Because we are lights. We are the light of the world. The word of God is a lamp we're unto our feet and a light unto our path. Yes. yes so in the midst of the dark world, right? With God's word, we find light. And the name of the church is the gateway. If you notice that logo, it's a pathway, it's a direction. So the one upwards is pointing that spiritual growth and maturity, right? Our relationship with God. And the other four is pointing in four different directions, representing the emphasis of the gateway message. So do we understand it now? All right. Celebrate, Sister Precious. Yes. All right, so, um, okay, you've answered that. Is it acceptable to pursue a path to Canada through a staff member of the Canadian Embassy who claims to guarantee a job in exchange for payment? Is it legal? Every open door is not God's door. My point is exactly. So, if you 
are going to work in Canada, go through the right route. So that when you get there, they won't send you back. Mm. They send people back at the airport after they have sold houses, sold everything. You know, years ago, people travel to come and build house. Today, people are selling house. So, travel to go and work. It's a strange world we live in today. So, just make sure you are doing what you are what doing is legally. Right. What is right. The Bible yeah. says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So, just do what is right and not what seems right. All right. Anybody in person? Sin. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ma, for constantly pouring into us. So I have two questions. One, uh, the question is not for me, actually. But, uh, some people have been bothering me with this, so maybe you can just show more light. Um, the book of Luke, chapter 16, uh, he's talking about the parable of the rich man and um, the steward. All right, so the guy was caught, um, you know, pifering the, um, the, the company's account and all that. So he was fired. And the guy said, look, I can't beg you. I mean, I can't hustle. I can't go back and start doing labor work. So what can I do? Then the guy said, ah, I know what to do. The guy now went to all the debtors of his ogre. And he went there. How much do you owe my master? One said 100,000. I said, guy, do you have 80,000 now? That one said, yes, bring it. Another said, how much do you owe a guy? He said, 50,000. Guy, do you have 20,000 cash now? That one said, yes. He said, bring the 20,000. And again, the ogre got to know. And the guy, and surprisingly, the ogre praised him. Pay, ah, ah, this guy, you are bad. Oh. <laughs> I mean, even after you are constantly, you see where the head and did this to take care of yourself. All right. So the question in this regard is, you know, and then, I mean, the passage went further to say that uh, the children of this world. Are, Please go to that verse. I think it should be verse 8. Yes. 8. Okay, yes. Yes, and the Lord commended the unjust So the master steward, commended the unjust towards because, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Okay, so the question now is that, you know, when a conversation like this came, you know, came about with a friend, you know, in a gathering, they were like, so that means you have to be street smart as a Christian. You have to be, you, have, you, you should know what you are doing. You can't just be saying you are praying, you are praying. You must be smart and all that. So where do we draw the line? Being street smart and yet being spiritual, being a believer, question one. Question two is, oh, I want to pray. Pastor has uh, spoken about developing strength. Pastor has spoken about a series on um, uh, fervency, you know, and and I really want to pray. It's not that I don't want to pray, but uh, it's just a struggle. I can't pray. I can't read my Bible. I get that every time, right? So what are practical steps? I mean, Practical stamina. What are baby steps that we can actually do to develop this, you know, basic spiritual practices? You know, praying and you know, studying. All right, awesome. Yeah. Um, let me start with the second question. Only what gets scheduled gets done. Mm. Whatever you don't schedule, whatever you don't create a time block for, you would never do. Even if you do those things, right? You only do those things haphazardly. So, if you want to pray and you want to make it consistent, then I would encourage create a time block for it. It's not enough to say, I want to pray. When do I want to pray? When? What time of the day? Right? Is it in the morning? Is it in the evening? 
And when you do that, create systems around yourself to make that thing possible. Set alarms. Almost every device now has an alarm. Right? Set alarm on your phone. If you have a laptop, set an alarm. Right? Everywhere. If you have more than one phone, set alarms on all the phone. And don't just set alarms. Put the, name the alarm. It's time to pray. Another thing you can do is hold yourself accountable. Right? So maybe if you have a housemate, you have a roommate, or you have someone that maybe the, the person spiritual, you know, walk with God, you know that is higher than yours. You know, tell the person to keep you accountable. And possibly also keep a journal. Maybe like a calendar. And you can start with maybe a seven-week challenge for yourself. So this week, I want to pray and I want to read my Bible for the seven days. So when you pray on Monday, take it. You pray for the second day ticket and give yourself a reward after the seven days. If you've been able to do seven days, try for one month. If you can do it for one week, you can do it for one month. Right? If you fail in the midst of the challenge, start all over again. But don't ever let the devil guilt trip you and say you are not a child of God because you've fallen off the wagon. And also when you're talking about spiritual practices, please understand that it's a process. Don't try to start out praying one hour when you have never prayed successfully for five minutes. It won't work. It may happen for one, two, three days. But because it's not a habit you have developed, eventually you will get discouraged. So if you're just trying to build that habit, start with five minutes. Start with ten minutes. In spiritual practices, consistency is more important than intensity. Consistency. More important. So start with five minutes. Start with ten, with ten minutes right if the bible reading plan for the year you know the one that is dropped on the community every day three chapters or four chapters every day if that is so much for you start with a devotional a devotional where they will explain the bible is just one verse start with a verse you see but just make sure you do something every day to move the middle uh, the needle right of your spiritual growth you know forward but to say that you know i'm waiting for this special time when i'll be able to do five hours per day do three hours per day that day may never come. You see, the more you do it and you begin to see the benefit, you would even be inspired and ginger to do more. You know, so start from where you are. The first question, um, if I remember correctly, okay, about the unjust word. We need to understand that um, as believers, we live by a higher standard. So Jesus clearly said, he said, the sons of this world, he didn't say my sons, the sons of this world, he said, in their own way, they are wiser than the children of light. Now, Jesus was talking in that context about a man who was about to lose his stewardship. And he made a plan, right? He had an exit strategy. The exit strategy for a believer is quite different. The fact that you are about to be fired, right? Or you are about to lose a job does not mean you steal from your boss because he will pay for it. I can assure you, you will pay for it. You may not pay for it immediately, but you will pay for it eventually. But the wisdom Jesus was trying to say there is having a plan. Having an exit plan. For instance, some people are working now. They've been working for years. They don't have savings anyway. There are some of us, if you lose your job today, you will be destitute in the next one month. That's what Jesus is talking about. You having a plan. He says, um, some people, financial expert colleagues, preparing for the rainy day. It simply means you must have a plan for your future. Have a plan for your life. If something happens... Right, if something were to happen today, how would you live for the next two months? Everybody, I think we spoke about this during the financial, you know, series, Money Masterclass, that everyone should have an emergency fund. 
And what's an emergency fund? An emergency fund is three to six months, right, of your monthly expenses. And how would you do that if you are not documenting your expenses? So you should even have an idea of how much you are spending every month. So if your family expenses, or as an if you're single and your monthly expenses, let's say is hundred thousand, it simply means you should start working towards. It may take you a year, it may take you two years, but start separate, and that's different from your savings. An emergency fund is money you put somewhere in case an emergency shows up. And let me tell you this, no matter how strong you are as a believer, emergency will show up. You can't pray against emergency. It's not unbelievers that emergency happens to. Emergency happens to everybody because we are in the falling world. And you will not know the day emergency will show up. And a bag is not an emergency. A shoe is not an emergency. Sickness is an emergency. Your child just falls sick. You were not planning. That's what an emergency fund is for. An emergency fund is not house rent because we have one year to plan for house rent. I think I mentioned this during morning masterclass, right? That if you are serious about your finances, you cannot have one or two bank accounts. You must have an account that caters for different things. So you may have an account that this is house rent account. So I think um, for those of us, you know, going through forecasting the boot camp, one of the, the facilitators also mentioned it yesterday, right? About someone having different envelopes, you know. Um, so the money comes home. You see, it's not a function of how much you are earning. It's the discipline. You can do it in amount. You can do it in percentages. But you know that as your money comes in, this amount goes here or this percentage goes here. So your money, many of us, you think you have money because your finances are not structured. So you already think you're a big boy. That's why you are working with your shoulders so square. Nobody can talk to you. And you are broke. But the moment you can, you know, segment your finances. Okay, this is going to the emergency fund to build my emergency fund. This is savings. This is going towards house rent. You will know that, ah, I don't even have much left over. So I need to make more money. Or I need to have another stream of income. Okay. So the Bible will never, never forget the nature. I mentioned that the nature and character of God. Jesus will never encourage something that is against the laws and the commandments of God. Yeah. Right? So Jesus was never endorsing that. He was simply talking about the fact that you need to have a plan. Life should not catch you off guard, right? Life should not catch you on away. A major, you know, something should not happen and it sweeps you off your feet and you are destitute within 30 days. No, that shouldn't happen to you as a believer. But the way unbelievers do it, they also know they should have a plan. So they use crooked means. But as believers, we know we don't do that, right? So it simply means we need to have the plan, you know, for our lives, for our finances in the right way. So we need discipline even so much more. All right, I believe I've answered that. Okay, so another question here is it true that the Bible is not complete? And that they have removed some part of the Bible verses. How true is it? The one you have, read it. I don't know. I'm not part of those who removed it. Uh, so I don't know. But the one so you have. Give an update on please, what? Uh, <laughs> so please read the one you have. All right. Um, does trusting God for something mean you shouldn't make other plans? Does it ruin your faith when you say, peradventure, this doesn't work? I'll fall back to this. Well, it depends on what you release your faith for. When God um, um, spoke to Abraham, right, that he was going to give him a child, what did Abraham do? Him and Sarah, they made another plan, right? And that plan was anti what God already told them. Should a believer have plans? Yes. Planning itself is an act of faith. I think I spoke to us about that. You know, I don't know if this year or maybe it's during forecasting. You see, planning itself is a demonstration of faith because you believe a future is coming. That's why you are planning, 
right? However, there are certain situations that God will tell you, trust me fully in this area. And we grow into these things. There are times you grow in your walk of faith and God will literally tell you, make no other provisions, make no other plans. Trust me fully in this thing. But we grow into these things. If you've not released your faith for transport money and you are releasing your faith for jets, <laughs> and you see that you are crossing boundaries, I say, Father, I thank you because my jet is here. Have you priced how much they pack jets in the anger? Mm. Transport money you have not believed for. So this thing is in levels. It's gradual. You grow in your walk of faith. And there's a level God can tell you, do this, do that. Make no other plans. And you will know it's God because you have walked with him that much. So you know it is God. I just want to add that. A lot of times we, um, we want to know how God wants to get it done. And I always tell you that if you want to know the how, it's the how. His own way. So stop disturbing yourself. If you feel that you trust God for a particular thing, you might not see it coming. It's just like the way how many of us grew up, you know, like thinking about your school fees. Primary school. Even when they tell you that you're owning school fees, don't you know your business. It's for you to pass the information across to your parents that that day, I'm going to see what they gave me in school. You are not the one running about to say you want to pay in a way saying setting, you know. Because some people as a kid, they will tell them, yeah, you have to go and walk before you. But in the right, you won't think about it. Even when they ask. Even when they don't ask you. You don't even know. The only is just to go to school. Receive the lectures and go back home. So in that way, trust God. And God can be trusted. Praise God. What step do I need to take to change my negative mindset and my business and everyone around me? Keep going. What, what step do I need to change, change my negative mindset? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Word. Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what can you do? Keep coming to church and keep hearing the message. Yes. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. And when you leave church, go back, hear the message again. Having had it in church is not the finality of hearing it. Mm-hmm. But there are so many things you thought you had during service that you did not hear. But when you go back home, you hear it again. Over time, you see, the thing about transformation is you will not even know you are changing. It will just dawn on you one day that, ah, I've changed. Change, right? So don't put a time frame to it. Okay, between this time and I want to change my mindset. Just keep hearing God's word. Keep coming to church. Hear the messages. The service you miss, which are not supposed to be missing. Right? Get the message and listen to it. Because that's the, that's the only way God transforms people. He has no other way. It's the word. Let nobody deceive you and try to give you something very complex, you know. Mm. When you go to the mountain, they back to you. They, 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 you know, wash your head, those things. It can even complicate your life. Yes. I, I would like to add that you should be deliberate about it. Be deliberate about positivity. Be deliberate about the people you associate with. Be deliberate about the word of God. Be deliberate about the things you listen to. Be deliberate about your association. Because the truth about the matter is it means that you have been feeding yourself with the wrong association. You have been feeding yourself with the wrong, you know, vibes. So be in church. Even when they're asking that you go to church too much, you just yes. Be in God's presence. And in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. So when you come in contact with God and his word, and every time you are always listening to it, I mean, it is a matter of time. In like three months, you will be transformed and be renewed. Can sin lead to losing salvation and going to hell for a Christian who continues to sin? 
after accepting Christ. He's been born again once he passed to heaven. No, he's not. I know some of us, we have a problem with that. And it is good we have a problem with it. Once saved is not forever saved. See, all this grace message, I said it recently, that all this grace message that is going around, will lead more people to hell mm. uh, than being unsaved itself. The moment you say you are saved, what is salvation? It's being saved from something to something. It means a departure from a life. Unfortunately, the Christianity being projected in today's world is a Christianity that leaves nothing behind. So I'm a Christian on Sunday, but I can still live the way I want to live, Monday to Friday. Not so, sir. Not so, man. Monday to Saturday. If you are a Christian, Christianity is a full-time life. It's not a part-time experience. It's a full-time life. So, if you are saved, one of the ways you will know you are saved is that when, before, before you give your life to Christ, when you sin, you are excited. But after salvation, and you are planted in a local church, and you are hearing God's word, when you sin, you will be convicted. You know that, I shouldn't have done this. But when you now continue sinning, the Bible says, whosoever is of God does not sin. It means it does not make it a habitual way of living. Sometimes you can fall off the wagon. You can make a mistake, but sin is not your lifestyle. So you can't say, I'm a Christian, but, uh, you know, Christianity to our, our own Christianity, it doesn't mean we are, we are the two ones. There is no two Christianity, there is no last Christianity. Christianity is Christianity. Am I making sense? There is no contemporary Christianity. There is no rural Christianity. Christianity is Christianity. And so you can't say you have been saved. You are still behaving as if you are unsaved. And expect that once saved is forever saved. Uh-uh. Even logically, it doesn't make sense. And the Bible never agrees to that. Apostle Paul says, can we continue in sin? And say grace you are bound. He says, God forbid. So you can't say you are a Christian and you are still doing the things that your own believing friends are doing or the things you did when you were unsaved. And you now say the grace of God covers it. The grace of God is not covering anything. Yeah. Let's put our hands together for our... Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning. So I have two questions. Sorry for my voice. It's fine. Um, first question is, what are the steps to building a spiritual life, understanding God, and still have a social life without feeling like you're offending God? Second question is, how do you know to pick a partner that God has ordained for you? All right, fantastic. So, let me start from the second question. Get the book out to find the right person to marry. Because I can't answer that, because it's a complex, it's simple at the same time it's complex. There are so many things involved right in marrying the person god has for you number one how do you even recognize the person right so um there is no one answer you know sometimes when people you know want to ask someone that has achieved something in their field you know how they can also be like that they say what is one thing nobody gets to the top by one thing say in one nutshell there is no one nutshell there are many nutty shells to crack uh, one nutshell so the same thing in getting married choosing the right person it's not one thing. There are many things you need to pay attention to, right? So, in building a spiritual life, you know, and still maintaining a social life and do not offend God. Fantastic question. I think everybody should celebrate that for that question. Because I think for many Christians, the problem is always, if I become very serious with God, will I still enjoy life? How many of us, you've asked yourself that question, be honest. 
See, you can have fun, you can enjoy your life and still be a strong Christian. The problem is many of us think the moment I become a Christian, you know, I can't look good anymore. My breath must smell. My, my, my shirt must be oversized. You know, and when everybody's saying bless you, I say bless you. Uh, that's not Christianity. You see, Jesus enjoyed his life even though he was ah. the son of God. He went for parties. <laughs> his first miracle was at the party. But not an after party. Yeah, it was at a wedding. At but a not wedding. an after party. Uh, because I'm going to know that after party today ah. is Sodom and Gomorrah. Ben, you. Uh, so as a believer now, you cannot be planning your wedding. And you also want after party. You know, today there are after party specialists. The only thing they plan is after party. So, one of the things that happens to you as a believer, the closer you get to God, is the desire for the things of the world will begin to die. If the desire for the things of the world is still increasing, check it. You are far away from God. The Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. You may have enjoyed it before, but now there is this restraining. Even you cannot explain it, but the closer you get to God, the more unconsciously you want to please him. And you can enjoy your life. You see, me, I don't know about what I'm still, although, uh, because I'm more of an indoor person, but if there's anybody that enjoys our life, it's what's it. Chop life gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I used to be a very boring person. But I'm learning how to enjoy my life too. The question is, what is enjoying life? Exactly. What's enjoy? Because a lot of us have been erroneously programmed to believe smoking is enjoying life. Mm. Taking shisha is enjoying life. Drinking, and you now lose your consciousness. You lose your consciousness, you entered into, you had an accident, now so you just enjoyed life. How? You simply engage in habits that are self-harming and self-destructive. How can that be enjoying life? And the problem with us, a lot of Christians, is we don't have enough self-esteem, strong self-esteem, to redefine what enjoyment means to us. So when our unbelievers, unbelieving friends or associates are saying, Ah, I'm over the weekend. Ah, to borrow Ah, before wash Those are the things they say. You now feel, ah, I did not enjoy life. Says who? When they are doing things, you cannot say something is enjoyment if it has a negative consequence on your life and your destiny. It cannot be enjoyment. Because the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It says, I have come. If you can have it, maybe I think amplified version of message translation. John chapter 10 and verse 10. It says, I have come that you may enjoy life. It says, and enjoy it to the full until it overflows. You see? So God wants us to enjoy our lives. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, I've come that... No, that's New King James now. Amplified the message. Let's have it in Amplified the message. Alright, so did we see that Amplified? He says, I came that they may have and what? Enjoy life. And do what? Enjoy life. Christianity is not a life of boredom. It's not a life of, you know, where you cannot have a social life. You can have a social life, but just ensure that this is not the world system. That is redefining what enjoyment is to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
very important. Sorry, I want to talk about um, knowing the will of God for you. I think that was what you said, and um, getting married. married. Knowing the will of God for you about to marry or something. That's what you said, right? Okay. Women. Single ladies, are you here? Yes, ma'am. Please, I want to beg you. Before you say yes to that guy, before you say yes, <laughs> please prepare yourself now. Look at, I remember when I met Pastor, well, it was just a casual, casual question, and I was like, wow. And I answered everything. I already knew what I wanted in a man that I want to marry. So when different people were showing up, this one is not mine, this one is not mine, because I have the questions, I have the, I have the um, answers of those questions. So if God wakes you up today and says, daughter, you need to get married, Abby. I want to give you a man, what kind of man do you want? And I say, oh, Thor, that can answer. What kind of man do you want? And before you begin to desire a man, what kind of woman are you? Some of you, you know why you are still being delayed? It's because you have not matched up that man God wants to give you. I always say something that I had always thought that I was going to get married at 25. And guess what? I met pastor at 25. Yes. The first time we ever saw I was 25 then. And then it was seven years later. So you can imagine, it was just God saying that you are not ready for what I want to give you. So some of you are not ready yet. And so don't delay yourself. If you are single here, single sisters, if you have have to find the right person to marry, let me see your hand up. If you have read it, pali to pali, let me see your hand up. Cover to cover. Cover to cover. If you are ready, cover to cover, let me see your hand up. You see? That is the that should be your priority. Not that you just see there are different things happening, no. I've been I've been busy, but I'm going to have a meeting with us. I want to give you updates of things that are happening. People that are getting married two months, they want to run away. Because it was something else they were saying. You think oh that brother is deep, that brother is let God reveal to you. And then even you sharpen your hair, sharpen your eyes. Let God make that high seeing eyes that you can see. That this guy, as, as fine as he is, is an occultic person. And you're not just saying, ah, if only this guy can. You just go to his profile. Ah, I like this guy. Is it for your destiny? Or is it the one that will bury your destiny? You know, so please, I'm not, um, I'm not saying this because I don't want to cancel anybody. Afterwards. Because now is the time for you to open your eyes and pray to God and read. Some of you don't even know yourself. So you don't know the kind of man you should marry. Everybody, you like pastor? Is it every man that can marry a man like pastor? No. It's not every woman that can. Real no. <laughs> so if God has prepared you, so when he begins to do some things, you say, oh God, was it this thing you were telling me about this person? Ah, okay. You already know. So you are ready, you know, you are up to the tax. So please, for me, if you cannot invest, how much is the book now, say? 5,000, If you cannot invest 5,000 in your destiny, then you are not worth being a missus. Sincerely. Because as a married woman, there are some things we read about. There are lots of things you read about. So when you marry, in fact, what am I saying about my Do introduction. Ask people that got married one week ago, two weeks ago. They will say, ah, what's happening? Because the role will switch. Things will change. Your eyes will clear. Then you will now know that, eh? It's just like saying you want to graduate from primary to secondary school. By the time you have 14 subjects, you say, oh God, then you get to university, then you get to master level, then you get to PhD. 
So that's how marriage is. So please, I want to beg you. I want to beg, because you know, we lay emphasis on family life in this church and a lot of people are not taking it the way you should take it. Marriage is not something you just go to casually. Guess what? The devil has a strategy to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And it's after homes. So that's why you just take it. It's not anything. They'll ask you about the guy. Really? Well, I know his name. His mom and dad, I don't know. His friend, I don't know. You don't know if their forefathers are witches and wizards. And you're betting another war. You don't even know. So there are questions you need to ask. You're seeing him, he's, he's, he's fresh. Do you know if his forefathers are owing? And he's one that will pay for it. If they are owing physically or they are owing spiritually. You know some people are owing spiritually. What is she? I want so, so you know where you pray your prayers from. So these are things that are very, they are, they are critical things that people are not thinking about. Imagine if your own parents, if they did everything so well. I really wish you were at forecasting. People are forecasting yesterday. See the test we did, 1 to 15. Just be thinking about it. Think about it. Think about that 1 to 15. That question is like the three questions. If you ask yourself that kind of question, you will, even when they say marry me, you say, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me think about some things. Let me. So you'll be more prepared. It's not about, oh, I'm fine. And when we the husband come, when we, are you ready for husband? So you have to be prepared. Is there a church specifically for teenagers? Maybe it may change, you know, but personally, I think, now, this is me, because there are parts of the Bible where the Bible is silent. I think the moment someone is a teenager, they know they are right from they are wrong. So sometimes when we say teenage church, I think we are just encouraging people to, I don't know, how do I put this? A teenager is already close to being an adult. There is nothing an adult is hearing that they cannot hear. And they are better positioned to know certain things earlier in life. Yes. So what I think is there can be a special fellowship for teenagers where they have their own customized, you know, um, needs being met. Because there are certain things that are specific to teenagers, certain questions they would want to answer that has nothing to do with adults. But at the age of 12, the Bible says Jesus was having conversations in the temple with the teachers of the law. So it simply means at that stage, right, at the age of 12, there were things that Jesus understood and things that he could understand. So is it wrong to have teenage church? No. But is it mandatory to have it? Also no. But I strongly believe that a teenager who is hearing what adults are hearing, early in life will be better positioned and mature faster. Yes, from experience. Um, I think a couple of years back, I used to teach, um, is it GS class now, junior class, GS 1 to 3. Um, back then, um, Lagos State used to have, um, what do we call it now, this um, summer school. So I used to teach sex education. So for adventure, you see somebody call me anti-sexy. You see, I first lady. That's what they used to call me then. They used to call me anti-sexy. So I used to teach sex education. And I think that, it was the advent of teens church that bettered this so-called Gen Z's. Because there were a lot of things that people delegated to some people that didn't even know their right from their left. And a lot of things, I feel that we should have had more program for teenagers instead of giving them the liberty of saying they have their own church, they have their own was because they have their own thing. So there were things that even when they have their own church, they were not able to hear. 
So some of them, I wasn't married then, and I wasn't um, in ministry like I'm in mainstream ministry now. But there were some things I got to know. Because I, I'm like, ah, I went through this stage now. So what was happening? It's not as if everybody uh, passed through teenage years now. So it wasn't as if there's anything. But I felt that that moment where some things were, were taken off their table, you know, and they felt that, you know, in teen church, this song they sing is different. The way the message is different. The way they even give. Some of them God don't even give. So all of those things is the is the all of those things is the metamorphosis of what Gen Z. And the earlier we pay attention to it, the better. Sometimes you need to hear. Some, most of us, yeah, pastor says that when during um, holiday his mom will take him to the mountain. How many people will say you want to take a teenager now to the mountain? Because you say, oh, no, 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 no. They have their, they have their, and because we keep. Um, depriving them of what they need to hear. You know, what they need to hear in service. Sometimes they need to, all of these things, some of these things were, hey, it's just for them to hear. What they don't understand, they'll ask you questions about it. And you are growing them also together. You know, so I feel, like Pastor said, it's, it's, not, it's not a sin if you don't have um, teenage, teenage church. And it's not as if it's mandatory for you to have teenage church. Because a lot of people don't pay attention even to teenagers. How many of us are guilty of that? A lot of people don't pay attention to teenagers, except those people that are called. So that's why sometimes people, uh, before I got married, my late pastor made it compulsory. Last su- Sunday of the month, you must come with your children. Some people don't come to church. You'll be asking them, ah, why are you in church? Ah, I can't do. Because they are used to taking their children, leaving those responsibilities to um, the caregiver in um, children's church. They are used to, they say they don't, they don't want, so they don't want them to be in church. So we should be deliberate about these things. Deliberate about parenting, deliberate about teenagers, deliberate about communal parenting. When we were growing up, it was community, the com- your community is parenting you. When you do something wrong, they are waiting to tell your mommy. So even when your mommy is not there, you don't want to, when daddy is not there, you don't want to do some things because you know that this mommy will tell my mommy. This daddy will tell my daddy. But now, because everybody will say, no, 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 you don't talk to my child like that. My child is not this thing. I don't know the right English to use, but in Yoruba, they will say, okay, then bad, you think that people are being uh, proactive. Planting the spoil. We talk saying they arrive. <laughs> <laughs> so, there are a lot of things that are going wrong. And that because you feel that, oh, this person cannot correct my child. Maybe that's the part of your child. There were a lot of people that corrected me that I felt they didn't like me. They would report me to my mom. There were a lot of people that, that extended their hands of um, what's called fellowship to me. They would tell me, ah, your mom is not come and sit with me. They, they would tell me different things. You know, I learned different things from them. And today, I'm grateful to God to them. There are some of them that I want to meet and say, mommy, I what you did in my life. There were some of them that were very good to us. Sometimes some parents are not just, you know, they don't feel, they were not raised that way. But some people will help you. They will help you. That's not the way to do things, you know. So what we don't like it now. We don't want the truth. So I feel it's not a, it's not a crime. All right, because of our time, because our time is actually already up, we'll only take one more question. Can I, um, one, um, and I hope it's a very short question. So before you ask that, I want to answer a very short question. Can I speak in tongues if I've never been baptized? Yes. The disciples, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they had not been baptized, yet they spoke in tongues. Jesus said, this sign shall follow those who believe. He said, in my name, they will cast out devils, and they will speak with other tongues. Do you believe? If you believe and you are born again, yes, you can speak in tongues. All right. 
Good morning, sir. Good morning, ma. Good morning, church. My question is from uh, first, our love lounge service of the first one for the year. You thought of you thought of seven decisions wise couples make every year, and under that you thought of wise couples de- um, decide to plan their lives. And you taught us parenting that there are types, there are different types of parenting: permissive parenting, aggressive parenting, aloof parenting, involved parenting, and intentional parenting. So my question is, sir, uh, which of them is considered the best form of parenting, or is it advisable to incorporate aspect of all of them? Intentional. Thank you, sir. Because you have to be intentional. You are raising a child. You have to be deliberate about everything you are doing. The words you speak. Um, sometimes we think children are not saying things. They are saying it. Sometimes uh, this child is too young to know these things. There is no child that is too young. Science has taught us or discovered that age zero to seven is even the most influential stage of a child's life. At that stage, they are soaking up everything in their environment like a sponge. So when you and your husband or you and your wife you are speaking to each other in a disrespectful way, they are soaking it in that this is how to talk to a man, this is how to talk to a woman. Their brain may be too young to comprehend it, but it is taught somewhere. You see, so everything we're doing, you know, especially even not if, uh, apart from the parents, every other person around the child. That's why for those of us that have children around us, you have to be conscious of the people that live in your house. If their values, their lifestyle is not what you want to see in your children, you better get them out of your environment. Because your children are soaking up the things they are seeing them do. And so, for instance, someone wants to raise a child that will love reading. And you have young adults always watching TV in your house. What your child is learning is watching TV and not reading. Yeah. So, we have to call it a wrap today. There are still so many questions that are unanswered. You know, unfortunately, I don't know how we're going to do that. Maybe we'll take one um, Wednesday before the end of the year, or maybe do a recording and post it on YouTube. But we have to call it a wrap here.